from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Thanks for tuning in. This week, we're going to circle back to a topic that we talked about in one of our first Close to Home episodes from this past winter, education during the pandemic. And even though it would be much better to be rid of COVID-19 altogether, we are in a very different pandemic landscape than we were when we reported on this back in early February. So I wanted to get back in touch with one of our local leaders in public education to see how things are going today, now that students are back in school five days a week and things are looking like some version of normal, even if we are still in a pandemic. Here is Sullivan West Superintendent Steve Walker. Now, well said. I think some some version of normal is the right (laughs) way to, to term it. Um, and I think overall people are feeling good about it. I just spent about an hour and a half walking through classrooms at, here at the middle and high school. And it's it's so heartwarming to see kids and teachers back together, collaborating, learning together. And that's that's look that we know that's what schools are about. And that's that's what our mission should be, uh, is engaging students and teachers in, in in really important learning. And that's what I saw this morning. So I'm really encouraged. Do you get a sense of, in your rounds and in talking to students and, and faculty and staff alike, that people feel safe being back this year? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we fielded some questions as uh, the overall COVID situation in our region and the state and the nation uh, sort of took another turn for the worse. Uh, we were so optimistic in June about what September was was hopefully going to look like. And as things again took kind of a downturn during the summer, you could feel the level of concern increase about what it was going to look like and and how we were going to be able to navigate this, as you said, with some level of normality. Uh, But I think now that, you know, folks are back and they understand that we're, we're doing everything we can to have it be a regular school experience with masks on uh, and and with social distancing wherever and whenever we can. And, uh, and folks are doing a wonderful job with that. So since, kids have come back, I can say I've fielded very, very few questions with regard to health and safety protocols, as opposed to this time last year, when it was almost everything that anyone wanted to talk about. On a similar topic of the health and safety protocols, I saw on Sullivan West's social media that you put out a letter in, I think it was early August, saying that you and your team had just found out that there was going to be essentially no guidance from the governor's office or the state department of health on COVID-19 protocols for the year. That sounded like it was a surprise at the time. Um, How has that impacted the last month and a half for you? Yeah, I think I can candidly say it's, it's been um, continually frustrating for Mm. the past year and a half to not know if we were going to receive guidance, if we were going to receive a directive, uh, if if either of those answers were yes, when that was going to come about, too many Friday night or Sunday evening course corrections because of what was coming from 
uh, Albany, um, and, and then with the requirement to have pivoted by Monday morning. Um, and so it, it creates, it had created this sort of uncertainty and unease among everybody uh, because not only was there lack of clarity about what we were supposed to be doing, but there was lack of clarity about if uh, who was kind of calling the shots, so to speak, and what uh, what principles we were using to make some of these decisions or, or others were using to make these sorts of decisions. So um, without speaking to, to politics, I think the change in the governor um, did change the direction fairly quickly in that um, upon the swearing in of Governor Hochul, she then directed the Department of Health um, to issue a mandate to schools with regard to mask wearing. Uh, mm. We had already announced that uh, all staff, students, and visitors would be wearing masks all the time anyway, uh, but the governor then made that a state mandate uh, and applied it everywhere. And so that, I think, was important and I think demonstrates uh, some principled leadership. Folks can agree or disagree about the decision, but at least there was clear leadership and direction there from the state. Uh, and that's all we've been asking for is either give us guidance um, or give us a directive, but be consistent about it. Is there any guidance either from the state or the federal level on vaccines? Uh, there's a mandate from the state uh, with regard to every staff member uh, or contracted uh, member of the faculty or staff here in any school district in New York State either has to provide proof of vaccination or uh, provide regular and weekly testing results uh, for COVID. And so that's something that was announced uh, earlier this month. We're now working through the process of how to make that logistically happen, uh, working with the faculty and staff and with an outside uh, COVID testing provider, uh, with the County Department of Health, and with uh, other districts in the region. So it's, you know, I think that's an important step too. We know that vaccines, at least in my opinion, are the key uh, to getting us out of, of this uh, really incredibly challenging year and a half that we've all had. Um, and so we're, we're encouraged by that step and we're working with the faculty and staff now to get their vaccine information provided to us and then to figure out how we can best ensure that they're tested weekly if they're not vaccinated. Outside of vaccines or masks or some social distancing, what have been some of the biggest challenges in just getting this year off the ground so far? I think the um, the polarization of the discourse in general around uh, around COVID and then more specifically around masks uh, and whether or not that should be a part of the regular daily experience for folks in schools was very difficult to navigate for a long time. And I think it continues to be in a lot of places. I think fortunately in our, in our district, um, perhaps because we were clear about it from the beginning, even before the mandate from the state, that we believe that was what made the most sense because we're not epidemiologists, we're not infectious disease specialists. And so we're not gonna substitute our judgment for those who are. Um, you know, certainly there was some pushback that I heard regularly on that topic, but. Uh, I think you have to, again, have some principles uh, that are guiding you. And that was one of them, in my opinion, was we have to be um, informed by those who are the medical experts, uh, even if it's an unpopular opinion. Uh, we're trying to do what best allows us to keep the most kids and the most faculty physically in person in our buildings every day. And as we sit here today, we've not had to, uh, of course, close or modify our schools or our schedule due to any uh, in-school COVID outbreak, and we feel great about that. 
knock on wood. If there is an outbreak, if one or two or a handful of students or faculty or staff members get COVID, what is the plan that's in place for that right now? Both buildings uh, are prepared to implement remote learning if we needed to. Uh, one of the big changes for this year from the CDC is that if students uh, are wearing masks properly, um, and we've, I think, demonstrated that our students do an excellent job of that over the past 18 months. Um, if, if students are wearing their masks properly and are uh, outside of three feet from each other, uh, even if it's for an extended period of time, and one student tests positive, the other students are not required to uh, quarantine. That's a big change from last year where you saw entire bus runs or entire classrooms being quarantined for one positive case. That isn't the situation anymore. And that's really, um, to, to, it's an overused term, but that's a game changer uh, for us in terms of being able to keep kids in school. Uh, and I think the number of faculty and staff who have gotten vaccinated also helps us a lot too. Uh, because even if exposed, a faculty and staff member wouldn't have to quarantine if they're vaccinated as long as they're not showing symptoms. You know, those are substantial changes from where we were 12 months ago and so far have allowed us to really cut down the amount of contact tracing that we have to do within the course of the day. I'm glad you brought up remote learning because I've been thinking about how there are a lot of businesses out there who now that they are getting back to some sort of normal schedule, they've also implemented some of the scheduling and the the, the way that they operated from the, the period during COVID when vaccines were not available and whatnot. So some businesses might have hybrid work schedules now, or they've just changed the way that they work in some way. Has COVID impacted how instruction and the transfer of content from educators to students works even as we eventually move past COVID? Yeah, I, I think the answer to that is yes. And I think it's it's impacted it in, in my opinion, only positive ways. I think mm. we've, we've now as an entire organization moved to a, to a philosophy where there's an understanding that teaching and learning doesn't have to be restricted just to the brick and mortar of a classroom or a school and just to the start and end times of a regular school day. You know, that learning can and should occur outside of those kind of rigid structures. And so we're, what we're looking at now is um, the idea that can we provide academic support, social and emotional support, um, counseling, even um, extracurriculars or, or music or other lessons outside of the regular school day digitally, uh, virtually, uh, to our kids. And one of the things that we're thinking there as we begin some planning on that concept is most parents working the kind of normal nine to five or eight to five schedule aren't available for real connections with their kids as they learn and they aren't available for, for connections with their kids' teachers. But running a two days a week, uh, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. academic support period um, virtually would allow a parent potentially to connect with a teacher in a way that they otherwise might not have, and then therefore support their child learning at home. Uh, we also recognize that there are scores of kids who may need academic or, or social and emotional support outside of the school day just to ensure their success during the school day. Um, and so we're interested in, uh, can we find a way to structure that so that students 
legitimately understand that you know my learning doesn't stop, my contact with the school doesn't stop when the bell rings and I get on the bus at the end of the day. And the other side of that is that, you know because of all the work that's been done with our learning management systems that we have so many more teachers posting information, videos, assignments uh, to an online management system now and saying to kids, you know, your, your at-home learning will be to, to watch this 10-minute video, consider this question, because tomorrow, instead of using 10 minutes of class time showing you the video, your at-home learning was to, to be prepared by having watched it to begin with, and then to come into class prepared to engage in some critical thinking around that work. You know, that's, that's an exciting evolution in schools that I think was happening before the pandemic, but was hastened uh, in terms of its improvement by, by COVID. Hmm. So we thank COVID for those couple of advances, for <laughs> nothing else, but for those couple of advances. For folks that aren't directly involved in our local public schools in one way or another, having parents more engaged in students' learning when students are at home, what does that actually look like in practice? Well, I think what we'd want to see is parents having the ability to engage with their kids in discussions around what did you learn today? Why do you think you learned it? And now what is it that you can do from home and I can do as a parent to support you doing from home that's going to increase your your odds of success? Um, And so for so long, I think parents have felt as though when kids got to, you know, even the middle school level, the content was now so nuanced and so complicated that not being able to access the instruction themselves, they didn't have a real way to support their child who might be struggling academically and certainly didn't have, in most cases, the tools to support their child at home with strategies if they're struggling socially and emotionally. But if a parent was able to sit in on a virtual um, support session, while their child's engaging with their teacher around how to write a compound sentence or how to um, handle frustration or uh, strategies to de-escalate oneself if they're they're feeling anger uh, or, or depression, you know I think yeah, hopefully it will help parents to feel like they're an active part of the equation and not a bystander uh, because of the the complex nature of the learning that happens. And conversely, at the lower elementary level too, I think there are a lot of parents who would love to support their kids as they learn those early literacy skills, but don't wanna be advancing practices from their kids that may be contrary to how our teachers are teaching their kids to read. Um, So again, that opportunity to, you know, if I can as a parent watch the same video uh, at home is my child that my child's teacher has asked them to watch in preparation for tomorrow's lesson. If I can see that too, I can get a sense of, of how my child's teacher is approaching phonemic awareness uh, among a kindergarten class that I can perhaps help to reinforce some of those skills in a way that I, I couldn't have before. On another topic, I know that obviously in the last year and a half, state government revenue contracted significantly. There was less money to go around for schools last year. What does that look like this year? Is the school struggling to make ends meet and make sure that all the resources are there to provide students with the the best education that they can get? 
Yeah, there was. So you're right. There was certainly a point last winter, I guess, when there was some real significant concern about um, the coffers uh, of the state and what that was going to then translate into in terms of state aid. Fortunately, I think what we've seen is that uh, some of the tax revenue has started to come back. The projections are improving. The federal government coming through with the American Rescue Plan, that absolutely has changed the trajectory for, for mm. schools throughout the state and for us as well. That injected $2.2 million or will inject $2.2 million um, into our uh, funding stream over the next three years. Um, and so one of the ways that we might consider paying for that kind of after-school remote support for, for kids and parents is through federal funds. Uh, so we feel very good about where we are financially now that uh, the community supported our budgets in, in fantastic ways over the past few years. And we also knew that we have to plan for not just what's ahead of us now, but what may be a longer term challenge for the state financially. So we've, we've been preparing for that. Obviously, this period of time during COVID, uh, I can only imagine has been extremely difficult for you in, in within your role. Do you feel like you have changed or, or grown uh, as a result of COVID within your position as superintendent? And um, if so, how? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm, I think I'm just a, a better, more uh, principled leader now. Um, I think that having to adjust to making decisions that are so far outside of what kind of your expertise is and even, you know, your, why you got into the business, right? I, I certainly didn't get into education to talk about uh, public health pandemics and, and mask wearing and social distancing. None of us did, right? Um, so I think the, the principles, the mental discipline, the strength of uh, the strength and fortitude you have to have to face criticism over issues that are so politicized and so divisive, knowing that anytime you make a decision around one of those topics, you're going to have people who will applaud it and people who will disagree with it strongly. That is strengthening for a leader. Um, it does hone you as a leader. And I think it's also in, developed my vision now that I do have a clearer vision for what 21st century schooling can look like. And it doesn't have to be a return to complete normalcy. I think normalcy, while it was fine for some kids, wasn't great and engaging and interesting for all kids. And that's what school should be about, right? It's how can we engage and interest all kids? And I think the pandemics, uh, helped us to focus more clearly on that. So that's exciting. I'm looking forward to, to the future of our schools. As the COVID situation evolves, we will continue to check back in with leaders from across our community. But I know that many of us are keeping a close eye on our public education system because our schools are not just the backbone of our community, they're the backbone of our community's future. When they are open and giving young people the best possible educational experience, that is a strong investment in the future of our villages, towns, county, and beyond. So I am particularly thankful to the folks who are teaching our kids and keeping our schools open and running smoothly, and most importantly, running safely. 
Thank you to Sullivan West Superintendent Steve Walker for coming back on the program this week. And as always, thank you for listening. If you want to hear our previous conversation with Superintendent Walker and other Sullivan County school administrators, check out Close to Home Episode 3 from February 13th, 2021. I'm Leif Johansson, and this is Close to Home, a production of WJFF Radio Catskill. Stay safe and have a great week.